0: Open your stinking Bibles up, <laughs> First Timothy chapter one. 1 Timothy chapter one. We're studying the life and uh, ministry of Timothy. We're studying Timothy and his relationship with the apostle Paul, who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. <sighs> Paul, who wrote, um, I think it was like 17 books of the 26 of the New Testament. Um, in 10 of his books, he speaks of Timothy, 10 of them. He speaks of Timothy. He thinks very highly of Timothy. We find here in 1 Timothy chapter, uh, 1 verse 2, it says, to Timothy, a true son in the faith. And so we've translated that. The word true literally means legit, legitimate disciple or legitimate son or whatever. And so we're doing a series on the legit disciple. What is a legit disciple? If Paul called Timothy a legit disciple uh, and legit disciples is a good thing, then I want to be a legit disciple. And so we're looking at the life of Timothy, his relationship with Paul. Why did Paul call him legit? Because if we can find out the qualities and characteristics and the attributes that Timothy has and we can mimic those, then we can be legit disciples as well. I want to be a legit disciple. Uh, whether, I'm a, whether you're a male or a female, we should all want to be legit disciples. You may be wondering, Gabriel, what does that shirt even mean? Well, you missed a series a few months ago about the reasonable life. Rachel Rogers, I'm glad you're here tonight. Good to see you. Yes, Rachel. Give her a grand entrance. I did a series a few months ago. I don't know how long ago it was. It probably lasted for months about the, the reasonable life. And kind of the the, the the summary of it was loving God and loving each other. So on my back, that's what it says. So if you're trying to read my shirt, wondering what it even means. The idea is this. You've been blood bought. What does that even mean? It means that Jesus' blood purchased and bought you as his own possession. It means that you were dead in your sin it means that you weren't just kind of sick on your bed but you were seriously dead like Lazarus dead in John chapter 11 in a tomb you've been locked up in a tomb since you were born the Bible says in Romans that you were born into sin Romans chapter 5 and so the Bible teaches us that we were dead in our sin but Christ who died for our sin his blood purchased us, and then now we are His possession. We are His people. That's, that's amazing news, and some of you acting like it's nothing. I just said that God gave his son to pay a price for you so that you could not go to hell, but that you would go into eternity with God. I was saying that you seriously were dead. You weren't just kind of sick and barely making it in life, but you were dead. And God came in your tomb and breathed life inside of you, and He rose you to new life, and He made you His son, or He made you His daughter. And so to live a life of love, and to live a life of patience and kindness to live a life of worship and commitment and devotion to god is not something that is extreme or radical it is something that is reasonable because when you compare our response to what god has done for you to make him your his, his daughter or to make you his son to compare your response to that is only reasonable because of how great and how marvelous his work for you was that He put His Son on a cross and He turned His face from His Son so that He could then again turn His face to you and accept you as His daughter and as His Son. We're, we're His children. That's amazing. I'm thankful for that. Because I know that I was in a state of death as well. I was in a state of sin. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 that I was following the course of this world. And I was by nature an object of wrath. Wow, that sounds like a mean God. No, it's just a just God. God is very just. He's right, and everything he does is good and true and right. It's just. And people go to hell. Not because God's mean, but because God's just. Because people are sinners. We're born into sin. And by our own decisions, we've sinned. We don't sin. I'm sorry, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. But let me tell you something. You're no longer a sinner. You're now God's righteous child, purchased of him, filled with and by his spirit to be called aside for him, unto him, to worship and glorify him and to love people. Now, I'm not saying that you don't still have a nature that sins, but you are not by nature a sinner anymore. You are by Christ's nature inside of you, a righteous son or a righteous daughter of the Most High God who created all things. That is good news. And so all that we do in this ministry and all that we should do in church is to respond to that. God, how can I respond to you who pulled me out of the mire, who pulled me out of my sin, who pulled me out of the course that I was on, a course that was running to death and running toward, straight toward hell? How should I respond to that, God? And he says, love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself for in these two things hang all of the law and the commandments in other words from these two things is the whole book of the bible to love me and to love people amen tonight we're not really going to be talking about the the full implications of Christ's death burial and resurrection though I wish I could talk about it every week because because it's when we look at that when we when we unveil that mystery it's when we it's when we Choose and, and pursue it an understanding. Wow, our God is so good and our God truly purchased me and called me out by name. When I understand that, I am inspired and motivated to love Him more. See, there's, there's a couple ways you can try to motivate somebody. You Either motiv- motivate them by fear. Well, if you don't do this, then you're just going to experience God's wrath. And there's some of us in here who think that. Well, my days just go really bad when I don't come to church because God's out to get me. No. The devil is a liar. That's not true. God is not out to get you. God's not angry with you as long as you're in Christ. He can't be angry at you because he said he wouldn't be angry at you anymore. So God's wrath isn't coming toward you. It's not on you in any fashion or form. God's love is forever pursuing you relentlessly. So I'm going to motivate people by reminding them of how good God is. And even when you sin, he's still good, and he still relentlessly pursues you for relationship. Not to beat you, but to receive you and embrace you. Why? Because you're his daughter, and because you're his son, and he will never let go. So you can run away from that and say, well, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Well, then you're not born again. Because you don't have the love of God abiding in your heart. But for those of us who say, you know what? Man, I do love Jesus. I struggle sometimes. I do have hard times. But man, I want to give my life to him. You're a child of God. And that is good news. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we read our Bibles. Because I want to know more about that. And I want to know more about him. That's why I pray, because I want a fellowship with the God that chose me. I want a fellowship with the God that gave me the opportunity and the ability to speak and commune and pray to him. And that's why I want to be a legit disciple. Not so that I can become more righteous in God's eye, because I'm already right before him if my faith is in Jesus. But I want to be a legit disciple, because my God has called and chosen me and made me his son. And I want to give my whole life to him, and I want to live a life of humility, and I want to live a life of love, and I want to live a life of brokenness, not because I need to become more right with God, but because I've already been made right with God, right? Amen. So as we do this, and as we look at this study, and as we study Timothy, I encourage you to make sure your motives are right. And that you're not looking at this from a perspective that if I do these things, then maybe I'll be more accepted by God. And then maybe if I do these things, I'll have more confidence to worship in church or to read my Bible before I go to bed at night or when I wake up in the morning. No, the devil is a liar. Your righteousness, what does that mean? Your right standing with God is based on what Jesus did for you on the cross and in his resurrection. Does that make sense? I hope it does. It's about as simple as it gets. And it's about as majestic and marvelous as it gets at the same time. Timothy. Young Timothy. They say he's about 16 years old when Paul met him. We looked at last week how Paul cut him. We talked about that, and my goodness. Thankful I was not Timothy. Bless him, Lord. Timothy's in heaven right now. I wonder what he's thinking about me. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll pray and get started tonight. Our first message was proving that all are called to be discipled. By a Christian of godly character. That was the first message. You can get it on podcasts if you want to. Uh, We have podcasts. uh, We podcast all these messages, and you can get them and listen to them or uh, get them and just look at them if you you really want to. Uh, But we do podcast these, and you can kind of hear what we've been saying. But to summarize the past couple of messages, one is that the first week we just talked about how each of us are called to be discipled by a Christian of godly character. Um. And then last week we talked about what it means to be a legit disciple. What does it mean to truly be a disciple and to be a disciple? And the first part we talked about is that we need to be humble and broken. And how Timothy was willing to get circumcised by Paul. uh, That was not convenient to him. Uh, It didn't feel good. It wasn't nice. It wasn't encouraging even. Uh, But he did it because Paul said it needed to be done and so he received it. And in our life we need to be re- able to receive challenge and correction and rebuke even if it doesn't come right we need to be humble right amen hey you you signed up for this you said Gabriel i want to be a legit disciple well then you need to be humble and broken and receive correction especially when you don't agree with it you guys there second or sorry philippians chapter 2 you guys there cool about 3 of you were there Anybody else there? You there, Alex? You excited? I hope you're excited tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. In my Bible, it says, Timothy commended. is a little excerpt, excerpt we're pulling from the book of Philippians. Paul is writing to this church. If I'm not mistaken, Paul's in prison. I think he says that earlier. And he pulls out a little bit of portion again about who Timothy is. So we're kind of looking in a little window in the first century church and this guy Timothy and who Timothy was and what he looked like. This is Philippians chapter 2 verse 19. It says this, but I trust in the Lord to send Timothy to you shortly. This is Paul writing. You remember, remember he has a lot of history at this point with Timothy, he's been on many missions with Timothy, and I'll talk about the history in a little bit, but he's done a lot of good things with Timothy. He's gone on mission trips. He's sent Timothy many times. He has a lot of relationship with Timothy at this point, and so When he says these things, he's not saying them from ignorance or just in flattery, trying to flatter Timothy, make Timothy feel like a good good and better person, but he actually says these things because he has experience with young Timothy, and so he says, I'm hoping that I can send Timothy to you shortly because he really wanted they'd be encouraged, and he could hear the state of the church and where they're all at, so he kind of sent Timothy on a mission journey, kind of like when you tell your little brother or your little sister to go do the dishes. Uh, Not quite like that, but... It's kind of like delegation. And uh, as older brothers and sisters, we're really good at that. You know, your mom tells you to do something. Like, okay, totally. (laughs) And you walk over to the little brother, the innocent bystander, playing their video game and enjoying the peace of life. And you interrupt them with your selfishness. You disturb them with your rudeness. And you... Tell them and warn them that if they don't do what you're going to say, you're going to beat them. You're laughing, Jonathan, because you've done it. (laughs) It's true. It's been done to me. And so I've done it to others. Thanks, Jonathan. Appreciate that. Supposed to look like the cool guy up here. Not anymore. Yep, I was the innocent bystander. I was the helpless little man trying to play my video game when my older brother picked me up and warmed me. He literally picked me up. One time I had them chasing me around the house. I was a little quicker than them. All my brothers, so I just could run, I'd laugh (laughs) and mock them as I ran. (laughs) That's horrible. That's horrible. But I did it. I did it. Kind of regret it, but not totally. Uh, Because if they ever got a hold of me, my goodness, I would have been... I got bigger and they stopped doing that. Now I'm bigger than all of them. And they look at me like, oh, gosh. I'm so sorry I did that. (laughs) It's not totally true. Okay, where am I at? Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send, like my brother sent me to do the dishes, to send Timothy to you shortly. I don't mean to put a negative connotation to that. This is actually very positive, Uh, but anyway. That I also may be encouraged when I know your state, when I know your condition. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He says, I have nobody like Timothy who is in unity with me, like Timothy. He will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. Ain't that the truth? Doesn't say that, but ain't that the truth? All seek their own. Not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his, Timothy, his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Just a little excerpt that we pull out of the book of Philippians. Paul writing to the church at Philippi back in the first century when the church first began. A little bit of of light shed on who Timothy is. And we're going to look at what this means to be a legit disciple and what characteristics and qualities Timothy had. Amen. Let's pray and say, God, help me. Speak to me tonight. Change me. Make me a legit disciple. Father, tonight, God, we are so thankful God, for friendship, God, for relationships, God, to be able to spend time together, to worship you in freedom and to not worry about persecution, God, to come together and be encouraged by one another and have fun together and play games together. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that I even uh, beat Cameron tonight with that game, Lord, that you blessed me and gave me strength, Lord, as Samson, uh, Father, I just thank you even uh, for uh, Molly, Lord, who beat my wife uh, in that game also, Lord, bless her, um, A little bitter, but okay, Father, and we're asking that tonight you would encourage us by your spirit. God, help us to come to know you more and show us how to respond to the marvelous and most grand work that you have done for us, God, to make us your children. We love you, Lord, and help us to love you more. Cause your love to abound and grow in our heart as we seek to know you in Jesus' name. And Everybody said Amen. Amen. I played basketball in high school, and I tried. Um, it's amazing how when you get out of high school, you get better at the sports you played. It seems like, you know. And uh, well, when I I played in high school, I played at Houston High School for a couple years, and I had uh, some pretty bad coaches. And uh, and then I moved into Anchorage and came to Heritage Christian School. Yes, yes, homeschool baby. You know, and now we're those people who say, yeah, so what school do you go to? Oh, I don't go to school. Oh, well, what school did you go to? Well, I went to Heritage. What? I went to Heritage. I don't even know. Is that even a school? Well, it's not, but it was. And it was amazing. And it has a legacy that lives on. Nothing against Heritage, and it still kind of is existing, but nobody goes there right now. And and in God's timing, hopefully it'll come alive again with this timing. But I did go to Heritage, and I had the opportunity and privilege to play basketball. And uh, one of the things that that uh, that you'll never you'll never miss if you go to a basketball game uh, with Heritage is you'll never uh, miss the coach. Uh, you, you'll never. You'll, you'll, you'll never go there and 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 not be entertained. Uh, and I want you to know that everything I've, I'm saying to you tonight, I've said to him in a lot of ways, so I'm not like gossiping or slandering him in any way. Uh, but if you're going to go to a basketball game with Coach Lowers, you're going to be entertained. Uh, you've been there, you've been there, you've been there, and uh, he he's he's passionate and. I've been in games, and I only coached by them for two years. Uh, but, you know, I'm not even going to say what happened in the locker room because that's just what happens in the locker room stays. Even those skeletons, they stay there. They stay. Just kidding. Uh, but one time I was in Colony High School. We were playing. It was at some round-robin tournament, and and we're, we're playing, and something happened on the court. And I was sitting, for instance, if Cameron, uh, was the second seat and this was the first seat and he was right there he never sat by the way and he's standing and something happened on the court and I was sitting uh, I think there or the one over and he turns around and and he's got this he's he he has a, he had a surgery when he was younger because he had cancer in his leg and so he got one of his legs removed and so he has a, a fake leg and so he has this ability to kick things as hard as he wants and he doesn't feel it and so So during this game, something happens on the court that he is not proud of, to say the least. He turns around, and he looks, and everybody's like, "Oh gosh!" You know, like duck and cover. And he just winds up, and he just boom, and he boots this sh- seat. And it wasn't just like a bench; it was a fold-up chair. And four rows back, there's this infant. No, she was like four years old. But there's no. St- this you were there. Anybody there? You were there. There's this baby up in the booth, no baby, for, come on Gabriel, don't lie, don't exaggerate. Okay, there was a, I almost said it again, there was a toddler, thank you, uh, that was up in this booth and totally gets hit and the parent's are like, and he's like, oh gosh, sorry and he totally looks back and, and, and things like this happened all the time. You just knew, leave a seat open. And because he, he would sit here or, like, he would have three coaches, you know, next to him. And and then and you'd be on the bench. And if, you know, well, I was on the bench. And you would be on the bench. Okay, I was on the bench. Okay, so I'd be on the bench and I'd be sitting there. And, and you know, in other schools, you want to sit next to the coach. So that at any moment he can say, hey, get the game. Get a little pat in the butt, you know encourage you nicely, tell you I love you. As you're walking away, grab him and say, hey, you're going to do great, you know? Because that's what happens at others, not at Heritage. That didn't happen. It was more like he wouldn't even look at you, you know? He'd just point. And you just, you just had to know that he was talking about you. And then usually you'd see like four guys jump up because they think that he's talking about me and they're all afraid because if you don't get up right now, then he's going to yell at you and you're not going to play for the rest of the game. And so one of the things he would ask you to do was to sit next to the assistant coach. Well, nobody liked to do that because that's usually the chair that he kicked. So you kind of had a fear of, I don't want to be next to the guy. So it would be really funny because during timeouts, everybody would stand up and come and talk. And then the race back to the chairs was get to the furthest end of the bench as you can. And then there was the brave souls who just sit there like this. You know, okay, don't, don't hit me, coach. I'm a good guy, I promise. And so I learned. I, I don't know. Was, that, was I the only guy? Maybe I was. Because there were times when, when he would kick chairs even if they were sitting in it. <laughs> and because he just get passionate. Nothing against the guy. But that's what a lot of coaches do. They ask for you to come and just sit sit next to me so that at any moment I can grab you and just say, hey, get in the game. Go get subbed out for this person. Or in football, they do the same thing. Usually in football, I played football as well when I was in uh, junior high. When I came into high school, I, had, I chose either which one I wanted to play, and I, uh, I ended up choosing just basketball because I wanted to play basketball year-round. And so, But I did play in junior high, and I was a quarterback, and I couldn't stand it. Every time during the game, during the defense, I had to follow the coach everywhere, and then for some reason, he just thought that I was the guy to yell at. Like, I didn't even play defense, but he just thought I was just the... so he would grab my helmet and he'd hit me he, We'd hit helmet head together. He didn't even have a helmet. Guy was crazy. He started banging my head and start yelling at me. So, but he just said you have to. I had to stay right next to him because he wanted me to like hear all of his thoughts and he just vent his art to me and his emotions and headbutt me and. And I was scared out of my mind. I was thinking, man, I never want to come back, man. I, Coach, I ain't coming back to practice on Monday. Uh, but I did. I kept coming. And, uh, but that's kind of one of the philosophies that coaches have. You know, they ask you to kind of come sit right next to them. And, and at any moment, I may just push you into the game. So if you haven't played a sport yet, uh, expect that. Don't expect the kicking of the chairs and the, uh, uh, the throwing of children. And I'm just kidding. That, that didn't happen. That, that didn't happen. But I think there's a similar principle and philosophy in the Christian faith with discipleship. And this, the, the principle is availability. Are you available? Are you on call? Are you at all times, your heart at all times, in a place of, I'm here, I'm available, if you need me, I'm there. If you need me to help set up the stage for TNL, I'm there. If you need me to be at worship practice early, I'm there. If you need me to be early to my pod because you want to talk to me about something before, I'm there. If you want me to be there early to GM to pray, I'm there. If you want me to come and help serve in the lighting booth because we want people to serve in the lighting, I'm there. If you want me to serve in the PowerPoint, I'm available. Now, thankfully, we don't have people who are going to kick you and throw your chair and do things like that. And nothing against him. It was just his passion. He never hit anybody. Well, at least he didn't hit me. (laughs) There were times when he wanted to hit people, I'm sure, as we all have. Don't judge. But are you available? Are you, like any good athlete, at the right hand or the left hand of your mentor, sitting on the bench with a heart that says, at any moment, if you need me in the game, coach, I'm there. If you need me to serve, I'm there. If you need me to go across the world for you, I'm there. Now, there's balance here. And, of course, we live uh, in a time where we go to school still. And so if someone's like, dude, you need to go across the world and go to Japan, you're like, I'm 14. I don't even speak English yet, totally. Uh, Now, I know if you're 14, you can can speak English. But uh, (laughs) kind of, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. That's totally a joke. Totally a joke. Um, but there is a balance, of course, and I hope that if anybody in this youth ministry says you need to go to uh, North Korea to spread the gospel, good luck. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Don't do that. They won't even let you in, actually, uh, right now. But maybe when you get older, but I know you have school and you have a family and things like that. You have kids to feed and all those kind of things. And so, I'm just kidding. You don't have kids to feed. I've got to stay on track tonight. Cameron, help me. Help me, Cam. Um <laughs> but regardless, we err too much on the side of, well, I'm just gonna do what I want to do. As long as it's convenient for me. And we have too much of this, well, I'm gonna start coming to church when I wanna come to church. And oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda I'm gonna kinda be a leader whenever I, you know, I think I should be or I'm gonna show up whenever I wanna show up. There's too much of this independence, especially, well, God is my God, and I don't need to be available to anybody but God. Really. That, you can do that if you want to, but you're just not legit. But God has set up a standard as we look at Timothy, Timothy being the standard of a legit disciple. As we study and we find out Timothy was, if anything, humble, humble, He was available. Available. Let's look at, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, as we look at the history, again, of Timothy and Paul and their relationship, you have to understand that right before this, in Acts chapter 16, which we just found out, Acts chapter 16, right? Remember, who wrote Acts? Anybody? No, sorry. Luke wrote Acts. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Okay, so Luke wrote Luke. And then he finished his book and he called it Acts. It's actually the Acts of the Apostles. So Luke, who is a physician, very detail-oriented, he finishes uh, the book and kind of follows the story of the apostles and what they did. The disciples that Jesus raised up and then also the Apostle Paul. So Luke writes Acts. And as we find out, Luke is just, the book of Acts is like history. It just kind of tells you what happened. It, It's also inspired by God so you can still receive it as God's word and all those kind of things. But Luke wrote Acts to help us understand what happened and what was going on and all the amazing things that happened in the first century, especially with Paul, which we learned last week, was knocked off his horse while he was on his way to persecute Christians and put them in prison. God knocked him off his horse and brought him into God's kingdom, made him a son, and he became like the original f- founder of most of the churches in that part of the world and spread through. Uh, the rest of the known world today, because of God's grace expressed in Paul today, we have a church in America, here in Anchorage, Alaska. And so Paul was the man, like the dude was the man. He was very smart, he was very gifted, uh, but he also lived a very horrible life before Christ met him because um, he was ignorant and he thought he was doing the right thing, but he wasn't. So we find in Acts chapter 15, which is right before Paul meets Timothy, uh, for the second time, because we already said that he went to Lystra and Derby. If, if this doesn't even—if you don't care about this stuff—just uh, bear with me for a few minutes as I teach you some history, real quick. And so Paul is traveling, going on these mission trips. He goes to Lystra and Derby, preaches the gospel. Timothy and his family, his mom get saved. His dad probably doesn't get saved, but his mom and his aunt and grandma and all them people got saved. And there's a whole revival, and a church was built and founded. Paul leads, comes back again to Lystra and Derby derby and he finds timothy again well right before that he's traveling and we find in acts 15 where barnabas and, and paul are having this conversation barnabas was a guy that worked and did ministry with paul and as they're doing this ministry together uh paul says they're going to go somewhere and let's as we go let's go here in acts 15:38. he tells him that he says hey i want to get john mark to go with us hey, i want to get we're going go on this mission journey I, <laughs> excuse me just making sure you're here I, I want John Mark to come with us I want him to travel with us but Paul says <laughs> Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them and Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work so what happened in Acts 13, if you want to read it, you can read it. It's like Acts 13, 13. Timothy and, or sorry, Paul and Barnabas were on this mission journey, and, and John Mark was with them, another young man, another young disciple. And while things were getting tough, and things were becoming inconvenient for this John Mark, he up and leaves, goes back to Jerusalem. And so a couple of chapters later during this mission trip, Barnabas says, hey, We're going again. I want John Mark to come with us. Paul gets frustrated, gets a little fired up, a little passionate, like Coach Lowers. And he says, I'm not going to have that. He left us before, and I'm not willing to have him leave me again. The person that I want to come with me next time, he must be humble, and he must be available. He says, I'm not going to let him come, one who withdrew from me, And who would not go to work with me. That word work in the Greek, it actually simply means to go to service with me. I want the person who comes with me to be a servant with me. So, what happens? He leaves that place. Barnabas goes to Crete out on a boat ride with another guy. And Paul keeps going north around the Mediterranean. He comes up to this little town, these, these couple cities in Lystra, Lystra and Derby, and he meets young Timothy. And what does he say? I want you to come with me. And after years of ministry, years and years of ministry with Timothy, Paul writes this exhortation and this encouragement about Timothy. He says, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. But you have to understand that when Paul met him in Acts 16, many things happened from that point. Years of ministry and years of experience, Paul and Timothy, they bled together. They were persecuted together. They were imprisoned together. They experienced hardship and hard times together. Not the nice, perfect little Christian life where you get to do whatever you want to do and whenever hard times come, you just leave God. But man, they were expecting persecutions and hardship and trials and tribulations. They expected those things. That was the life that they lived. And even though Timothy, who could have stayed home and done all the things that he wanted to do and experienced life and fun and safety and all those things, he chose to go on this journey where he knew his life would be at stake a legit disciple see the problem with us today is that we we justify and we compare ourselves amongst ourselves second Corinthians chapter 10 talks about that he says don't compare yourselves amongst yourselves but see we too we tend to pride ourselves up and think we're all that in a bag of chips because we compare ourselves amongst ourselves well, that guy, I mean, I've been coming here for years, and that, that dude, he just started coming. He don't even worship. Well, that girl, I haven't seen her have her Bible in a long time. So because I'm legit, you know what I'm saying? And, and what we begin, to, we start comparing ourselves. But, man, when we look at the Word of God and we hear about young Timothy who traded his entire life, was enduring persecution and hardship and kept the faith and built churches and traveled with Paul and was willing to be persecuted and imprisoned and stoned and we compare ourselves with that standard, my goodness, I'm not legit. But I want to be legit. I want to be humble and I want to be available in such a way that no matter what the situation is, I'm standing with Christ and I'm standing with my mentor, my brother in the Lord. What happens? What well, we find here: Paul goes to Athens. If we, this is in Acts seventeen. A lot of persecutions was happening there in Berea, and things were getting rough, and the disciples came to Paul and said, Paul, dude, we love you. We know you're going to stay, but you need to get out of here because they're about to kill you. So Paul sneaks out. He bounces, but he tells Timothy and Silas, another awesome disciple that Paul talks about many times, he says, hey, you two, can you stay here? So he has them stay. He bounces. The Bible says that, that Timothy and Silas remained there. That word means that they stood firm. They endured hardship and persecution. It insisted that all these tough things were happening it was getting really rough for the church but the bible says timothy stood and he remained he didn't hide he didn't go back to his family and hide in the bunkers but he stood because he knew i'm going to be humble and i'm going to be available to my mentor to my paul so he stays for a long time he stays until his mentor tells him to leave Give That sounds like control. Say whatever you want to say. He was legit. Paul calls Tim. I'm just going to call him Tim from now on. I'm sure Paul called him Tim. Tim, come here, brother. Let me cut you, you know. Paul calls Tim and Silas to Athens, where, 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 where Paul was. He calls them, and they both came. So they're standing firm. They get this letter. They get this, maybe this bird, this crow came. Hey, guys, come to Athens. You know, something. Uh, and so they just, that's, that's not true. That didn't happen. That'd be weird. Uh, Could you imagine? Did that bird just talk to me? You know, am I supposed to obey that? That's the devil. Uh, and so they just up and they bounce. Right when Paul tells them, right when they get the word, what do they do? They obey. Well, then again, there's persecution happening in Macedonia. And in Macedonia is a province where Berea, Thessalonica and Philippi are all kind of in that region. This is around the Mediterranean. You guys with me? Around the Mediterranean, this province of Macedonia. Okay, in that area, there's there's a little town, there's a little uh, city called Berea. There's Philippi, where the book of Philippians, and there's Thessalonica, the book of Thessalonians. Okay, you with me? And Paul, there's a lot of persecutions and hardship going on, and Paul says, hey, Tim, hey, Silas, because they were, they were what? Available. Come on, say it. They were what? Available. Because they were available, because they were at the right hand, because they were waiting there. Paul said, would you go to Macedonia and check on those churches? Hey, Silas, I need you to go to Berea, and I need you to go to, 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 Philip, to Philippi. And hey, Tim, I need you to kind of go to, Th- the, to Thessalonica and stay there for a while and make sure the church is doing good. Because they're enduring some persecution, they're enduring some hardship, and they need you to come and be encouragement to them. You with me? so what do they do boom they go to macedonia after some time paul calls to silas silas and timothy again and silas and timothy gear their stuff up and and he asks them to meet them in corinth which is where we get the book first corinthians and second corinthians so he calls them to corinth they come back and paul wanted to hear how these churches were doing he wanted to hear what was going on in Macedonia, he brings him all this good news about the, uh, the, the Philippians and the Thessalonians. He wants to say, hey, this is what was going on. This is what was happening, and so they come. They come together, and then Timothy helps Paul write Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, I think second as well, because Timothy just came from there. You with me? What does this look like? Timothy was on call. No matter what, no matter what it felt like, no matter the hurt, no matter the experience, no matter the trial, no matter the tribulation, no matter if it was convenient for him or not, Tim was on call. Later, way later, after Philippians was written, the book that we're reading from, Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to lead the church there. And so when Paul writes 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, he's actually talking to him and to the church in Ephesus, to the, to the church, the book of what? Ephesians, right? Paul sends him to lead to, to encourage him about leading that church. It's actually a very big church, and there's a lot of things going on. Timothy was available. This proves Tim's legitimacy. Man, if there's anything that we can find in the Scriptures as we study what happened with Timothy and Paul, Timothy was just there. I'm not getting these words, like the word available and humble, just from some, like, person that told me to say this or some book that i read as i read and study the scripture i go man timothy was humble and timothy was available he was just always there hey would you come to macedonia there's persecution oh well you you know i I just don't feel called to persecution (laughs) you know i just don't feel like that's my calling you know but he just goes all right why because he was in love with jesus And he's committed to his mentor. He was legit. This legitimized Tim's legitimacy. little play on words there. It legitimized it. Let's look at a few characteristics here tonight as we look at what it looks like to be available. And what does that even mean? Well, let's look at this little portion of Scripture in Philippians 2. And as I do this, I'm asking and challenging you. After we do this, we're going we're gonna to have a song of worship, and we're going to sit before the Lord and, and ask Him to challenge us and to help us to be like this. But Paul lists a few characteristics here. I'm not going to go into too much detail about each of these, but I'm going to talk about a few characteristics that Paul lists in Philippians two nineteen through 24 and kind of look at why does Paul call Timothy legit? Why does he call him legitimate? In First Timothy, he says, "There's no one like-minded. There's no one like-minded." What is he saying? He's saying there's nobody like-minded. There's nobody with the same mind that I have with Timothy. What does this mean? What does this practice? Gabriel, I go to school, dude. I got homework tonight. I'm going to school tomorrow. You know? <laughs> what does it even mean? It means that you're in unity with your mentor. It means that you have a heart-to-heart knit connection. It means that you're knit together. It means that you're in love with each other. Don't get weird on me. I'm just saying you're you're passionately in love with each other. Guys to guys, girls to girls. You love each other. You're knit together. You're not just kind of going with each other. Like okay, so what do what do I do now, Mister? And he pulls out his ruler and beats you with it. But it's this it's this idea of relationship. It's this idea that Paul loved Timothy and Timothy loved Paul, and they had this they had this heart knit. He says, "There's nobody like-minded. I have many disciples, many people that follow me and listen to my teachings and hear all the things that I say, and many th- many people read my writings." But there's nobody that's knit with my heart like young Timothy. You should pursue this as a Timothy. You should pursue this as a disciple. Who's mentoring you? I'm challenging every person in this room to ask yourself, who's mentoring you? Are you humble to them and are you available with the sense that your heart is pursuing to be knit with their heart? Not just this body to body, but this genuine, authentic relationship where you bear your heart, you bear your struggles, you bear your frustrations, you bear your heart with them. Who is that person in your life? Because if you're not doing that with somebody, if your heart is not knit with them, then you're not truly available. Maybe you do what they say, but when it comes to meet, when the rubber meets the road and when they really need you, they're not going to call on you because they don't feel like they have that relationship with you. When, I, when when things get tough or when I really need something done or I really need some help, I don't think about the people who are gifted. I don't think about the people who just do good things and do everything I say. I look for the people who have a heart-to-heart connection with and who are willing to be faithful to help me out on whatever I need done. And that's what we're doing in this youth ministry. Why don't you look if you, have a, if you have some gift? Well, why does that person get a lead worship? Or why does that person get to lead that thing? And, and I don't. Well, maybe your heart isn't knit with the leader. But we judge too soon. That person's doing it. I've been here longer than them. That's not my fault. That's probably your fault. Pursue each other. Pursue the leaders in this ministry. And leaders, pursue the mentor in your life. Leaders, this is as, as much for you and as much for me as anybody. That we would be legit and available as leaders. Does that make sense? Paul says there's nobody like-minded. He's unified and he's knit with Paul. He says he will sincerely care for your state. There's a lot of people who do really good things. There's a lot of people who know how to do things. Okay? But Paul says the thing that I'm passionate about is whether or not that he will sincerely care for your state. I'm not concerned that he'll come and he'll help you outline a Bible study. I'm not concerned that he'll come and preach some good message. I'm not concerned that he'll come and, and lead a good worship service. <laughs> I'm not concerned that he'll come and help you administrate and organize things for you. I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned. If he will care for your state, if he will care for your condition, if he will care for you where you are. I was driving on the road one time. The Lord challenged me. He said, Gabriel, you must care for people first and then programs second. People first, programs, systems, structures second. What does that mean? Seth Roberts first and the structure of worship ministry second. Reed and my relationship with Reed. First, and outreach ministry second. Andrew Meisner, my relationship with him is first. My love for him is first. My care and concern for him is first. And secondly, my concern is the MyPod small group inreach structure of our ministry. Are you sincerely concerned for each other? Are you sincerely in love with your mentor? And are you sincerely following their example of love? Meditate on that. You're not just doing what mentor says, but you're actually in love with people. Because we can get really good at doing things, right? I mean, isn't there? I mean, can anybody testify? I I mean, I can get good at doing things. You know, I can. I can get so. And then somebody comes and says, "Hey, you probably." Get all upset because they're challenging the way you're doing something. And what we just said is no, my program is first, and then people are second. You're not a legit disciple. Legit disciples, true legit disciples, love people. They love people. And that's what we're looking for. Not if you can do a bunch of cool things, but can you love people? And if you can do good things and you're gifted, sweet. We need gifts too to do things but gifts are for loving people. Amen? He says, all seek their own. But then he says, you know, Timothy doesn't do that. A legit disciple disregards their own con- inconvenience. Did you hear what it said? They're selfless. They're selfless. They disregard. They don't, they don't, re- they don't, they don't set their mind on their own. Inconvenience or convenience. Well, I mean, I was going to come, but, you know, just, you know, dude. (laughs) No, what? Well, you know, I've been serving up in the PowerPoint booth for a while, and I just, dude, I just, you know, I think it's bigger and greater things to do. Okay. Maybe they won't actually say that. Maybe they'll say, dude, I just got so many things going on right now, and, dude, I'm just busy, dude. I'm just crazy busy. You're busy about what you want to be busy about, aren't you? Legit disciples forget their own convenience. Care okay, about sounds like control. No, it just uh, Paul says he didn't seek his own. He sought what Christ wanted and what Christ wanted in Paul. That's what he wanted. That's what he wanted. You know, when you really want to be a servant, Kind of get ahead of myself. When you really want to be a servant, when you really want to be a legit disciple, serving God and his people is always convenient. Did you hear what it said? It's always convenient. Because it's who you are and it's what you do. All seek their own, but not Paul, for you know his proven character. This speaks of Timothy's character. We just talked about how he views relationship most important. He loves people. He is selfless. And he has character. His character. He loves people. He's patient. He's kind. His speech isn't horrible. He's got a good example in his life. Look at 1 Timothy 4.12. It looks like how we should live as Christians and the character we should have. The Bible insinuates here when it says he has proven character. It's saying his character precedes him. It goes before him. People talk about how godly he is, how nice he is, how encouraging she is, how loving she is. She's always speaking nice and kind words. And she's always listening to people and praying for people and encouraging people. She's a woman of character. Does your character, your godly character and your integrity precede you? Or does, well, she's short. She doesn't really listen to people. She's just kind of rude and bitter. And I don't really like being around her. You should ask people. Maybe, maybe that is your state, but you don't even know it. And that's the sad part. Does your character precede you? And then finally he says, he says, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. You're a servant. Finally, you're a servant. The legit disciples are servants. They serve. That's what they do. They don't do what they want to do. They serve. They look to serve. Whether it's in the PowerPoint ministry, whether it's in the lighting ministry, because right now there's there's places you can serve in this youth ministry. Well, you know, I'm a preacher, and uh, I don't need to be doing those things. Gabriel, I don't say that. You might not say that but by you pursuing that and not pursuing serving in some capacity other than that, that's what you're saying. And the truth is, you're just seeking what you want to seek. Well, you don't understand how gifted I am in playing the guitar. I don't really care. Can you serve? Are you willing to go up and do the PowerPoint for a year? I'll do it for three months, but dude, are you going to give me the, the deal? You know, like... Dude, just tell them that I'm legit. You know, you're not legit unless you're willing to serve. Who's the person that's mentoring you? Are you serving with them in their ministry? He mentions here Father, and in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul talks to these church at Corinth, and he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors or teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many Father's. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy, who? Timothy, the legit disciple, right? To you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He says that later in 1 Corinthians 10. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. What does this mean to serve with a father? What does it mean to be a true servant? It means that you are following somebody, but you're not just following the person. This is so key that you understand this. If you're taking notes, this might even be the most important point tonight, that you're following Christ inside of them. You're not just following them. You're looking for Jesus inside of them, for the love, for the joy, for the peace, for the humility, for the brokenness. You're looking for that. You're not looking for how many good gifts they have. You're looking for the character and the person of Jesus, and you're following that. And you know what that should look like? A servant. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The truth is, if you really wanted to be mentored, then you really want to serve. If you really want to be a legit disciple, then you really want to serve. Your relationship with your mentor determines that you become legit. Your love for people determines your legitimacy. Your selflessness determines your legitimacy. The character that you have that precedes you, the godliness that you have, that people speak of you, determines your legitimacy. And finally, your servanthood determines your legitimacy as a legitimate disciple who is available. Worship team, can you guys come up? I want to be legit. But part of me doesn't. You know? Like, I don't really want to submit. I don't even like that word. I have somebody who is particularly over me, and that's our pastor Josh Tanner. And he's asked me to do things I didn't really want to do. But I I did him. I did him because I want to be legit. Ashley McSwain is legit. Because she really wants to serve in every capacity she can. She's available. You need her? She's available. Maybe she's too available sometimes. You know, like, okay, you need to stay home. (laughs) Stop serving. You know, like you're doing too much. Are you available? Are you humble? Who's who's your mentor? Are you available to them? If they need something, are you willing to be there to help? If they call on you to lead or to serve in some capacity, if they call on you because they need somebody to encourage them, if they call on you because they need you to serve in PowerPoint or they need you to serve in lighting or they need you to serve... help set up the stage or they they need you to just be in the worship team just to help set things up and not even to play yet maybe like i really want to be a musician well maybe you should just come and help set up and just serve for a little bit to prove let your let your proven character speak of you are you available you guys can start playing